I have one meeting every two weeks that's about an hour and a half long. That's it. That's it. That's okay. it. Not, not, <laughs> now, now let's find out how you're doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, let, let me, let me uh, get, get a step back. Hello and welcome aboard. Get ready for a new episode here at the Virtual Frontier. Great you have found your way back to the show. And if you just joined recently, do yourself a little favor, hit the subscribe button right away so you never miss new episodes. My today's guest is Sam Bennett. In our conversation, we are going to discuss why at least 90% of work meetings are a complete waste of time and energy. You might think, hmm, I also attend some meetings that are not really beneficial and without any outcome. Or the outcome is just another meeting. Now, if you wonder how that plays into your productivity, we are also going to see what are some fundamental misconceptions when we think and talk probably too much about the term productivity. Sam is a great person to talk to about those topics, as she has written two best-selling books on how to get things done and how little but constant changes can have a huge impact on your life. See you in just a flash on the other side. So, hello, Sam. Welcome to the Virtual Frontier. Nice to have you here on the show. Um, I was like, really looking forward uh, to have this conversation with you. And um, yeah, uh, let's talk today about um, something that is an uh, uh, all-imminent uh, problem uh, with personal life and also in the professional life um, to get things done. Um, and uh, I found you um, while... Um, checking on my LinkedIn uh, profile and seeing there a great course about, uh, yeah, stop wasting and how, how to stop uh, wasting time in meetings. And we're going to talk about meetings and also about, um, yeah, maybe some assumptions about uh, productivity and also, um, how well-being is playing into that. Um, before we start off, maybe, um, you can give our audience, um, a, yeah, a short, um, background in, uh, introduction, who, who you are, what you're doing and, and your daily work. So we get an idea from where we're starting. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And hi, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Um, yeah, my name is Sam Bennett. I uh, grew up in Chicago, uh, Illinois, and I spent most of my life as an actor. Um, I was one of those little kids who did plays in the living room. I went to theater camp. I did all the plays in high school. I went to college. Uh, I got a job at the Second City Theater, which is a very famous comedy theater in Chicago. And I spent most of my adult life, you know, as a working actor. Um, which meant that my life was this just endless jumble of jobs and gigs and projects and shows and auditions and rehearsals and <laughs> part-time and half-time and trying to make everything work. And um, it was creatively very fulfilling, financially disastrous. Um, yeah. <laughs> and along, yeah, you know, <laughs> but along the way, I got really interested in this question of how do people make decisions? You know, how do you know what to do? when you could do anything, you know, even just starting with actors, like, well, how do I promote my acting career? Should I have a podcast? Should I, you know, stand on the street corner with a sandwich board? Should I make my own web series? Like there's a million things I could do. How do I know what's going to be right for me? Hmm. And 
So I just started creating worksheets and exercises and little imagination games and um, reframing exercises just to help people make those decisions and make those decisions more clearly and more intentionally rather than just doing what sort of falls into our laps, rather be a little more intentional about our lives. And, um, you know, because there's no right way. There's no right way to be an entrepreneur. There's no right way to be a parent. There's no right way to be a creative person. There's no, there's no right way. There's just your way. Mm. So I started teaching this class and I called it Get It Done. And I thought, well, that's a terrible name. I'll have to think of something else. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and I was doing it in a, in a church basement in, in Van Nuys, California for 11 people and not charging them very much. And, um, and this for a long time was just a, one of a lot of things I was doing. And then in 2009, um, I had this gap in my schedule and all of a sudden I thought, well, I wonder if I could do this full time. And then I thought, I guess I should order business cards. Like, <laughs> I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I knew nothing about email. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing. But I made it my business to learn very fast. <laughs> and, um, and it went really well. I started teaching online. I published the book, Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. And that got endorsed by Seth Godin, which, if you know him, is you know, kind of a big deal. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm sort of not over it, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, and no reason to be. Yeah, no, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. Um, and then I wrote my second book called Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. I love the and, title. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, because it's all, so inclusive. It takes from all perspectives. Uh, exactly. There's almost no one that I don't say the title to and they start to raise their hand. They're like, oh, oh, yes, yeah. that's for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So now I have this wonderful life where I get to teach and speak on stages and get interviewed by people like you and write books. And it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, and we're going to talk, uh, of course, about uh, learnings from from your book and what what you have uh, um, yeah written down there. And um, um, but yeah, step by step. I ask my my recent guests um, because the last two years were like uh, with, uh, filled with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes, a lot of adaptations. Um, how did you manage, or and how did you adapt during this uh, last two years? Um, wh what have maybe changed in your life, um, in, in your business life? How you maybe you were just mentioning your your, your speaker, maybe speaking arrangement were were different um, in the settings or uh, disappeared. And I'm I'm always like interested on how you adapted and how you like got over it. Maybe yeah. you have some insights. Well, I was very fortunate because. I was already working from home. I was already working on Zoom. I was already teaching online. Mm. So it actually wasn't that different for me. Um, what changed was my audience. What changed was um, everyone I was working with. <laughs> All of a sudden, they were in great turmoil and they were in great distress and they were in great uncertainty. And so what I found is um, it's a little harder to get people's attention. Everybody's very distracted and very, um, everybody feels very scattered and, and sort of diffuse. Um, and in terms of selling things, I found that selling shorter programs, like little two-day intensives, or now I've got a thing called the Get It Done Lab, which is a 90-day productivity sprint. And things like that are easier to sell than 
a six month program or a year long program, like people sort of feel like, oh, I can't even think that far ahead. <laughs> so bringing things sure. in with a more, a more specific result in a shorter time frame seems to be a little more successful. But mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm so lucky. My team was already amazing and they were remote. Um, so, you know, get up and work from home on Tuesday. That's Tuesday. That's, <laughs> that's always, that's always my day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you were uh, a person that already had settled in into this remote environment, and then the, the pandemic hit, and uh, you were already prepared. Uh, I, I, I had some similar experiences on the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, welcome to my world, everybody. <laughs> but, exactly, <and> exactly. <laughs> and certainly, the speaking gigs. You're right. The things that I normally would have traveled to to do keynotes or or, or um, workshops for organizations now happen online. Yeah. As just mentioned in the in the intro, um, I, I found you um, with this LinkedIn course uh, that you have produced. Um, yeah, how to stop uh, wasting time in meetings, and um, this is all. Um, yeah, of course, one one of the topics I would like to talk about. Uh, yeah, today, um, especially as I could see um, on LinkedIn, this is by far your most successful course uh, with over two hundred thousand participants. Uh, so. This seems to be really an urgent topic, and I see that all all day in my uh, daily work that there are so many companies and so many people inside the companies that are really struggling with like getting meetings the right way and maybe stop wasting time um, in unnecessary meetings. But before we start, I have a question for you: How many meetings do you have per week, or maybe how many how much uh, time you spend in in meetings per week, so we get an idea how maybe you do it and. Um, What do you do to make those uh, meetings um, yeah, meaningful for you? I have one meeting every two weeks that's about an hour and a half long. That's it. That's it. That's okay. it. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Now let's find out how you're doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, let, let me, let me uh, get, get a step back. When did uh, you you mentioned about uh, um, your your journey on, on the way? But when did you discover that this um, meeting thing is, is is really something important for 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 maybe not just for you but but for for others? And and how, how was this uh, um, building up in 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 a, in a yeah in the long term? Yeah, it's one of the um, it, it, in that time when I was doing a lot of different jobs and gigs and projects and things. One of the things I got trained in was consensus facilitation and meeting facilitation. So mm-hmm. I, I found I had a certain aptitude for it. Um, I think being an actor is good training for being a meeting facilitator or a consensus facilitator because you get good at reading people's energy, their feelings, their vibration, and um, good at articulating you know, what's happening in the space. And... Um, Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. So I did that for for various, mostly for arts organizations, but also for some regular businesses as well. So it was a little bit of a side hustle of mine. Um, I never did it full time or did it a ton, but I did it some, and I really enjoyed it. I really I loved um, helping people articulate what was really important and not waste mm. time in meetings, but actually have you know. So you think about the opportunity cost of a meeting. I mean especially if you're gathering people in person, but even online, I mean, people's time is incredibly valuable. And yeah. every minute that somebody's there thinking, why am I here is costing you and your business, not just money, but goodwill, energy, intention. Like it's, it's a disaster. 
Yeah. Bad meetings so, are a disaster. No, yeah. I, I just did a calculation for, for a specific team in the morning and, and showed them like that each of our daily meetings is costing us um, thousand whatever uh, euros. So um, yeah. probably we, we should really be concerned about the value that we provide uh, do, during this meeting. If not, um, just let's cut it, right? Uh, if this is uh, the thing, because if you sum it up per week, it's like 10,000 euros per week. Um, having just uh, like a quick meeting and, uh, exactly. and everyone is well, and, and that's not even talking about like the, the interruption that you cause uh, to the people that are using uh, or are participating in this meeting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, you've got to think about the return on investment. If yeah. I'm going to ask people to take their time out of their day and show up for this, what am I expecting to make? Are we going to make decisions that are going to make back that 10,000? Are we going to make this, you know, are we, um, creating greater clarity and greater forward momentum and solving problems and thinking ahead? Or are we just twiddling our thumbs? <laughs> um, yeah, it seems often that happens. On a, on a top level, uh, I, I would like to understand, maybe you have uh, some um, ideas or insights from, from experience. Why, why are meetings, um, we, ha we have so much meetings and um, mostly they're really infamous or um, others hate them even more. Um, so, This is uh, to meetings, they have like a, a negative label in, in to, to start with, but um, even though we have them all around. So <laughs> mo most of the people are not like having one half hour meeting every two weeks like you. Perfect. Um, but uh, they, they hang around in meetings like the, almost the whole day. Uh, yeah. uh, let's say 60 to 80 percent of their time. Sometimes depends on the role and what they're doing. So um We really hate them and they're infamous, but we still keep having them. <laughs> so what is happening there? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing to consider always is, first and foremost, what is the point of this meeting? What is the point of this meeting? Why are we gathering? Are we gathering to make a decision? Are we gathering to face a crisis? Are we gathering to keep each other updated on progress? Um, are we gathering to share information? Because a lot of that, you know, progress can be shared. We work on Basecamp, you know, people keep me up to date on how their projects are going on Basecamp. They don't need to talk to them about it. They're fine. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need to report into me. They just need to say like, oh, yes, this is happening or this is going to be a little ahead of schedule or this is a little behind schedule. Fine, whatever. Um, so that's the main thing is like really asking yourself in a very serious tone of voice, what is the point of this meeting? What, what, what is the outcome that is desired from this meeting? And then is a meeting the best way to obtain that outcome? And does everybody need to be there? So this is the other consideration. What is the point of the meeting? Make sure everybody knows the point of the meeting. Make sure you share the agenda with everyone ahead of time so everyone knows what they're doing there. And make sure everyone knows why they're there, right? Is it important for you personally to be at this meeting? Does everyone know what function they have in the meeting? Um, there's a terrific book. I think it's by Atul Gawande about the list, right? About list making mm -hmm. and um, having checklists, right? For things, the way a pilot checks a plane. And exactly. what, one of the things they put on their checklist for a surgery, pardon me, one of the things they put on their checklist for a surgery is to make sure that everyone in the operating theater knows everyone else's name 
you know, so they introduce themselves. They say, hi, my name is Sam Bennett. I'm the anesthesiologist. Hi, my name is, you know, Denise Stevenson. I'm the attending, whatever. So everyone knows each other's name and everyone knows why they're there. Yeah. Right. And uh, what do you do about like, the, if there are meetings and uh, there you have a big meeting, 15 people and like five of them, they're just like attending and there is no really a participation, how you avoid that maybe in the first place? Or what what you do if the, if you have people in in the meeting and you need to involve them somehow, uh, so getting out a better result and outcomes in the meeting. Because they, yeah, they, they, I, sorry, I would completely empower your people to say, "I'm sorry, I'm not clear why I'm here," and then you can say, "Oh, you're here because I really want your insight into this," or "You're here because I'm I'm you know you're going to be moving into this project soon, and I want you just to you know get the lay of the land." Or, gosh, you're right. There isn't really a reason for you to be here. Go do your thing. You know, um, I would make that a very easy, open question. Like, not accusatory, not, you know, damn it, why am I here? But just like, I'm sorry, I'm curious, why am I here? Um, and again, if your agenda is clear, if, you, if we're understanding what is the point of this meeting, people, you know, may have their own reasons for being there. Um, and, and to get clear on those can be really helpful, too. Um, the other thing I would do, and this is just, a, this is such a simple little technique. My friends over at, um, Keep, which is a software company that I work with sometimes, um, they do this at all their meetings. And I think it's just lovely. They start every meeting with what they call positive focus. So they mm -hmm. go around the room okay. and everybody just says something positive that's happened in their personal life, in their work life, in their whatever, you know. Um, gosh, I finished a really great book last night or, you know, my daughter's just joined the softball team or, you know, the team's doing really great at this, you know, particular project this quarter. Um, really short. And what's lovely about it is, first of all, we know that feelings are contagious, right? So uh, if I smile at you, you'll smile back at me. If I yawn, you'll yawn. If I start mm. looking at my watch and looking very impatient and annoyed, you will also start looking at your watch and feel very impatient and annoyed, right? Um, we have mirror neurons because we're tribal animals and we're, we're designed to mirror each other in that way. So if I start by talking about something nice that's happening, my spirits get lifted and your spirits get lifted. Um, we also get to know each other a little bit better, right? It gives people a chance to say things that aren't just work-related, like, oh, they play tennis. Oh, they do needlepoint. Oh, that, you know, and that's a nice way to connect with people. Now it's just not like, oh, that's, you know, Joe from accounting. That's like, oh, that's Joe from accounting who golfs. I golf too. That's nice. We have that in common. Um, it also gets everybody's voice in the room. Because if people are going to be in a meeting and you want them to participate, you have to get them talking right away. Same thing with an audience. If you're speaking, if you're going to want some call and response, you got to get them speaking right away. You can't ask people to sit in silence for 20 minutes while you natter on and then go, okay, everybody, you know, we need a suggestion or come on, give me your feedback because you've already trained them to sit there for, in silence for 20 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not going to start talking now. Um, so you need to sort of teach them how to behave. So starting a meeting with positive focus gives everybody a little bit of a voice. It gets everybody's voice into the room. It allows people to get to know each other a little bit and it lifts the, the mood of the meeting. Yeah. So simple, right? Yeah. Are, are, are there other simple tips, uh, especially if you have those kind of meeting, uh, meeting culture, maybe already like in, inside your company, 
um, to help like break up those those um, silent points or having like uh, I, I think you as was in your, in your course also like having this um, counting of of speech time who, who's who's like really involved uh, um, and and making making space for everyone. Um, are there other tips that we can uh, um, encourage um, our listeners to to try out? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the timed agenda. I, th I think writing out and having and, and even giving everybody a copy of like, you know, five minutes, you know, two minutes, positive focus, five minutes, Jennifer brings us up to date on XYZ, seven minutes of discussion about how we want to handle this crisis, you know, no. um, you know, like, go ahead and time it out. And then when you get to, you know, and if it's seven minutes comes, and you're still talking about this, somebody in the room should be on the timer saying, we've reached the end of our allotted time for this. Do we want to change the agenda and keep going? Do we want to move this to another conversation? You know, how to, and then, and decide as a group or have whoever's in charge decide so that we're not just endlessly rambling forever <laughs> without intention. You know, it's really easy to just let conversations kind of go wherever they want to go, you know, <laughs> so no, to be a little getting lost. Um, Getting lost. So I like to, I do this with my classes. I do this with my meetings. I do this with my keynotes. I like to have a very clear start. And actually, especially when I'm online, I like to say, okay, we're going to begin. Hi, everybody. It's Sam Bennett from therealsambennett.com. And that clap, first of all, it helps with editing, right? It's just like a clapper on the film set. Uh, so it helps my editor later be in the sound sync, but it also gives a distinct start to the meeting. Nothing makes me crazier than that, like, um, okay, well, I guess we should get started. Um, okay, I think we're gonna I'm like, no. <laughs> like, clear start, let's go. Everybody's on the bus. No devices. No devices in meetings. No devices in meetings. Absolutely not. It's it's if you're going to have people there and you're going to have them focused, then have them there and have them focused. If they don't need to be there or they only have to pay half attention, then they don't probably don't need to be there. So, um, and again, especially once we get back to gathering in rooms, that little bit of time before a meeting actually starts, you know, when people are coming in with their coffee and they're, do you love this? It says everything is temporary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my mic. <mind, laughs> this has been my mantra the last two years. Everything is temporary. Um, you know, people come in with their coffee, and you know, there's a little bit of visiting. There's a little bit of oh, I like your blouse, and oh, how you came back, you're on vacation. No, like those little bits of chit chat are an important part of the social fabric of work. Yeah. And um, and if you let people have their devices, people are going to come in the room, set their coffee down, and go on their phone. They're not going to have that little bit of conversation. And I think it's one of the reasons why we all feel so disoriented during the pandemic is that those little bits of conversation, those little encounters that just sort of let us know how we're doing as a person, you know, when the checkout lady smiles at you when the, you know, somebody lets you go ahead in the elevator, like mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not seeing each other very much. We're not getting this feedback from one another. So we all feel really isolated and really sort of adrift, you know, like yeah. who even am I in this world? where no one is interacting with me. So to give people a little framework, again, as, as, we, as we come back to being together in, in rooms, but even in, in Zoom rooms, to have a little, um, you know, let people have a little chit-chat, and then a very good clean start, meeting, timed agenda, and then never more than 90 minutes, 
No, no one should ever sit for more than 90 minutes. And, um, you know, and then let them go on time or early. No yeah. one has ever said, wow, I wish that meeting was longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have a, a, a 20 minutes uh, on top, please. Uh, uh, that's that's uh, <laughs> awesome. You're right. Um, and I, I would like to uh, extend maybe in this in this virtual world, uh, you just mentioned the devices, uh, don't bring them into the meetings. Uh, this is one. And uh, just a, a, as an extension, um, if you're like in a virtual uh, set, a setup or also in the office, uh, um, when you have uh, maybe your computer, shut, shut off the notifications, <laughs> um, especially maybe for the whole day, but at least for the meetings. Uh, so you're not getting distracted during the meetings, doing other stuff uh, because they are is uh, popping up a notification all around. Yeah, I would say I turn off all notifications for everything. Nothing yep. pings, nothing Never. pings, nothing Never. pops up, nothing pings. Turn it all off. No one needs your attention that bad. It's, it's fine. Um, and if you have, if you're a you know, business owner and you have created a culture in which you are expecting people to respond, you know, snap, snap, snap to your Slack channel or your whatever, you have made a terrible mistake and you should fix it because... <laughs> You are you are prohibiting people. You are making it impossible for people to do their best work for you. No. So you you were asking too. How do I get away with having one meeting every two weeks? Um, part of what I do, and I realize this is a great privilege of being a, a solo business owner, but I hire geniuses. Uh, I pay them whatever they want, and I basically let them do whatever they want. Hmm. And. I find that this gets me amazing results. So I'm still the CEO. I'm still charting the course. I'm saying, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's the course I want to offer. Here's the, you know. Um, but when it comes to strategy and certainly execution, I just let them, I just let them do it. Um, and what I find is that they really respond because they're super geniuses. <laughs> and they're, um, there's a wonderful book called Uncontainable. Uh, by Kip Tyndall, who created the Container Store, which, if you're an organization freak like me, the Container Store is like heaven. <laughs> you're like, ooh, can I go to the Container Store? <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's all organizers and containers and things for your laundry room and things for your office and things for your ah, closet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it's, it's very nice. Um, and uh, he wrote a book about growing that business and called Uncontainable. And one of the things he says is and it's one of the best books I've read in terms of how to bake your values into your business so that mm -hmm. your business itself is a vehicle for good in the world. You know, so just the way your business is structured, it makes the world a better place. Yeah. And one of the ways he says to do that is he says, hire people who are three in one. People who have so many gifts and talents, it's like hiring three people. And that's, that's what I do. I hire people who are three and one. Some, one of them we call the Swiss Army knife because apparently she can do everything. She's, she's amazing. Um, and, and then I just give them, a, and then I pay them on retainer. So I'm not paying them hourly. I'm not paying them for their time. I'm paying them for their brain, right? And I know that they're going to have ideas in the shower or while they're driving or walking or whatever. Um, and I trust them to get things done, you know, in an appropriate time frame. Um, and sometimes, you know, the workload is pretty light. There's not that much going on. Great. They have extra time to do other things. Other times, especially when I'm doing a live event, like I own you for the whole week. 
gotcha. so, yeah, uh, you know, it kind of covers, covers that ebb and flow. Um, and, and I realize not every, you know, not every business can, can go, but it's worth thinking about though, you know, like where am I letting my people be in their zone of genius and staying out of their way and then rewarding them sufficiently for doing work that's really above and beyond. Yeah. I think you just dropped the important keyword is just like, um, removing, removing yourself from, from being like the, the bottleneck and, and, and being all, all over the place and, and just let the people do their work, right? Uh, when, whenever they are, um, up for it and maybe, yeah, you have someone that is, uh, really a night owl and uh, doing all the stuff in, in the night and another one is working just in the morning and, uh, really early bird. And um, maybe if you fix that all into nine to five um, jobs, then you, you never get like the real, uh, like the real shoes when people are really <laughs> top uh, and, and in their flow. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And hiring people who are just better at things than I am. You know, I, I have almost no design skills whatsoever. So <laughs> the fact that I've got somebody on my team who's great at graphics, who's great at color, who's great at, you know, um, conveying things visually, fantastic. I have very little interest in social media, but I have a wonderful social media manager who's great at articulating our vision out into the world in social media. So yeah. all of these things, um, yeah, and yeah, letting them do it whenever they want to do it, um, as long as it's, you know, I mean, we all agree on a timeline. And, you know, everyone's very clear on the values of the organization, right? Yeah. So... And this really is, this is another way to look at your, your meetings is, are your meetings reflective of your values, right? So if the values of the organized artist company, my business are, um, creativity, authenticity slash, you know, transparency, um, kindness, good humor, fun, and what I like to call the perfect word, right? Being very intentional in our, in our language and, and sort of extra literate, um, And I hire people who share those values. So, because one of the problems with digital communication uh, is that it removes tone, right? In email, mm. in chat, in, in, in Slack, on Basecamp. Like, if I just say, fine, I'll have it for you by 11, that I can mean, oh, fine, I'll have it for you by 11. But it can read, fine, I'll have it for you by 11. <laughs> like, we can't we can't hear people's voices necessarily in our head so um and we make them up more this is this is a more, more crucial thing yeah you you sing something and and the, what i what i receive is completely up to me right how, exactly. how i read it <laughs> exactly yeah. which is why emojis are so handy as stupid as they are i mean i look like i'm a sixth grader with all my little hearts and smiley faces yeah, and yeah. things but it helps you know convey the tone of like oh no i'm not mad i love you it's good um, but, uh, but we make a lot of jokes in Basecamp. We, we praise each other all the time. Look at the amazing thing Veronica did. Diana, you're the best. Thank you so much. Like there's a lot of praise and a lot of fluffing up so that everybody feels noticed and seen and, and appreciated. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, um, a side track, uh, and insight about how, how you, uh, manage, um, with, uh, working with, uh, Yeah, freelancers and, and uh, people around you in, in, in a uh, really meaningful way and getting, getting really things done. Uh, I yeah. think this, this was, this was great. If you, if you go back to the, to the meetings, um, 
what what could be a practical steps in like removing those kind of unnecessary and hated meetings uh, in in a corporate structure like you have that already settled up maybe those are running since years uh, nobody touched them and this is like just like uh yeah bre brand into the, the the company but like how how i get rid of them in a practical way maybe the project manager what what he, what he can do uh, to get things uh, more um yeah up to date and efficient yeah i would ask your team i would ask your employees what meetings do you hate how could we do this better they know they're the ones sitting there hating it they're the ones sitting there thinking of other things they could be doing the whole time <laughs> you know um you know what would be a more what would be a better use of your time how would you like to see this go how often do you want to check in like find out from them because people want to do good work this my experience is that people in general um They want to do well. They want to feel like their presence matters. They want to feel like their work matters. Um, and, and they know a lot more than you give them credit for knowing, you know? So, yeah, I would just ask them. Yeah. Let the genius out of, out, <laughs> out of the bubble. <laughs> What? To ask the people involved? What? <laughs> and can you do things... And if it can't be moved, I mean, if it's really just so like, no, 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 we absolutely have to have this, we absolutely have to have this, can you make it just more enjoyable to be there? You know, can you start with a couple of minutes of breathing and, you know, can you have a little dance party in the, <laughs> in the conference room before you start? Or can you, um, you know, is there some way to make it more pleasurable, more enjoyable, more, you know, less of a drag? Because you're the boss, it's, it's your party, you're in charge, you know? Yeah. And are there any any special um, tricks or uh, things that you use in in a virtual environment as that meetings are like even more you need a much more intent to to have like great virtual meetings and uh, um, are, are there things that especially are, are interesting for the virtual world and remote meetings as we all know them by Zoom Teams whatever yeah. Um First of all, let's just acknowledge Zoom is so hard. Online meetings are so hard. On-camera meetings are so hard. It's hard for us. You know, we can't see each other's... I can't see your whole body, right? We, we get a lot of information from people through their body language, yeah. right? So I can't see what your feet are doing. I can't see what your hands are doing. I can't see, you know, in a meeting, I can see you look over at this guy and go like, there she goes again. You know, like, I, I get all that information, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> And, uh, but on Zoom, I don't. So, and I can't see your little, your micro expressions and I can't smell you. I swear, I think we get so much information from people olfactorily that we don't even know we're getting. Mm -hmm. um, it's so we're really at a disadvantage. And the other thing I noticed on, on Zoom is like in person, honestly, you can get away with murder. Like if I'm leading a meeting and I make a terrible joke, And we're all together in a room. Everybody goes, that was a terrible joke. And I go, I know, I'm sorry, move on. <laughs> Or if I drop a pen, I can pick up the pen and no one would even notice. No one would even remember. But on Zoom, we're so focused. If I make a terrible joke, like, it just lays there. If I drop something, it's like, it feels like it's 45 minutes for me to bend down and pick up a pen, right? I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so you, really, you have a lot less room for error. Um, so I encourage people to turn off self-view, right? You don't have to see your own face. It's very exhausting for us to see our own face. 
all the yeah, time. And I just, I just can, I did the course with you. I did it and it really helps. It really <laughs> helps, right? So don't, you look fine. Don't worry about it. Turn off your camera and then you can focus on everybody else. Um, gosh, what else? Um, what else do I do that works on Zoom? I do try and have meetings by phone if I can. You know, it's an old technology, but it still works fine. <laughs> People are, it's often a lot easier to communicate on, on, Zoom, on, on the phone. Um, so if it doesn't have to be, you know, if we don't have to see each other, let's not, you know. Um, especially for women, it's exhausting, this whole putting on lipstick and, you know, make sure my hair looks okay and you know, <laughs> all the things. It's, it's yeah, got it. you know, it's a whole nother, you know, it's another half hour in my day that I could be writing a book, you know. Um, so yeah, I just keep them short, um, have a system, acknowledge the chat as much as you can. Um, it takes some skill. It takes some doing to learn to surf presenting and monitoring the chat. Um, but it's worth it because it helps people see, feel seen and heard. And the other thing I would say I'll do a little demonstration here. I did this um, at a training uh, a couple months ago, and they were so blown away, they made me do it three times. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So here's me looking just like at the screen. Hi, everybody. Here's the meeting. La, la, la. Here's me looking sort of at the camera. Hey, everybody. Here's the meeting. La, la, la. Here's me looking through the camera. When you can focus your energy and send it through the camera lens, people will feel it. Right? So for me to say, okay, everybody, it's really important that you're here on time. All right, fine. Or even, hey, everybody, it's really important that you're here on time. Or, hey, it is really important that you are here on time. Right? No, no, such so, a difference. No. Such a difference. This is also true if you hate having your picture taken, which we all do. Um, same thing. Think of, think of an emotion that you want to convey. Like, I can help you, or I like you, or, you know... The world's a beautiful place, whatever, it's something nice. And then send that energy out from your heart, from your belly, out through your eyes, through the camera lens, and you'll take much better pictures. And you'll feel less self-conscious. Yeah. Mm, really interesting. I, I learn again. So uh, let's, uh, let's see um, how I can apply that in my daily work. Um, during the last uh, uh, two years, uh, um, there as m most of us uh, switch to work in remote office uh, or remote work and from home office, um, there, there was like a, a lot of studies that showed that people are getting more productive um, because you don't have uh, to uh, do makeup all the day um, in the morning, half hour, probably you don't have to commute and everything. Um, but we uh, still have, in my view, uh, uh, there's a huge misconception about what productivity really is. And maybe how we can re-evaluate, like, or making a better meaning of the productivity. And I think you uh, have written also some sentence about that. Maybe you can yeah. uh, give us a hint about. Yeah, I think we got, I think people are a little confused about what productivity is. Productivity no. is not about getting more done. It's about getting what matters done. So it's not about getting more things done. It's about getting things that matter done. So your job 
as a business owner and as an employee is to look and say, what actually matters here? What activities do I have that really move the needle, that really make a difference, that really bring in, you know, that 10,000 <laughs> that we need to cover the expense of this meeting? What do I do that, that really makes a difference? And if you really start asking yourself that question and tracking it closely, you might be surprised because sometimes it's having phone conversations with people you like in other organizations, you know, or for me calling, you know, I have a friend that I try and stay in touch with. And not only do I like talking to her and we're close and we're friends and I want to stay up on what's happening in her life, but she's got one of those great minds. And almost every time we talk, she's got some amazing idea for me, for my business. So while it sort of seems like, oh, this is me just, you know, uh, recreationally calling a friend, there's actually a real, you know, she's probably made me $100,000 over the years just with her little, you know what you should do? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, or, oh, let me introduce you to my friend so-and-so, or, oh, have you read this book? Or, like, there's things that, that don't look like work necessarily, yeah. but that actually go a long way to growing us as people, growing us as, as growing our skill sets, and, and growing our businesses. So that requires some, some real deep thinking. Well, what do I do? What are the activities I do that really make a difference? And which ones don't? Which ones don't? Right? So this is that um, seven habits of highly effective people, right? There's important and there's urgent. And we spend, tend to spend all our time on things that are urgent but not important. Right, email is urgent but not important. Oh. Um, uh, instead of spending time on the things that are important but not urgent, things that are important but not urgent are things like writing a book, keeping your resume up to date, um, investing in your relationships with your clients and and colleagues. Um, the other thing about investing in those relationships is that when things do go horribly, horribly wrong, which they inevitably will. <laughs> so eventually point. someone is going to, someone is going to make a terrible mistake somewhere, probably you. Um, if you have invested time in those relationships, you have a lot more leeway with people. They're a lot more willing to, to forgive, to extend the deadline, to do whatever needs doing because they know you, you know, they care about you. You have a, you have a real relationship with them. Um, and yeah, it's, I always, uh, we were talking about team earlier. I always said that I would never fire anyone for making a mistake. Um, first of all, because I would have had to fire myself like a hundred times the first week. <laughs> Long gone. And, pre and pretty much every day since then. Um, but, but also because an employee who's made a mistake is a much more valuable employee. You know, they all know, now they understand better why things are the way they are or how to make, and, um, and especially it gives you an opportunity to be really cool and understanding <laughs> that builds yeah. loyalty. Um, so, I mean, I've had people make incredibly expensive mistakes and, but this is how we learn. This is how we grow. We're not expecting people to be perfect people and throwing a tantrum isn't going to help. So. Not really. And the same question on, uh, as for the, for the meetings, how, how we get like first, clarity about all the bullshit is, uh, t tasks, bullshit things that we are doing and how we get really rid of, rid of them. Well, clarity is maybe the first step. What, what comes next? Um, 
I think what would be the next thing I would do and clear on what's it. And I think getting, um, giving people an opportunity to self-evaluate regularly, like at least once a week. Um, I have a, a, a planner that I made called the real life planner. And every week there's a little, um, opportunity to ask yourself, what did I do last week that I'm proud of? You know, what did I accomplish that I'm proud of? Um, and for some people that's, I got eight hours of sleep a night, you know, for some people it's, I didn't have candy in the afternoon for some people, you know, it may be, I spent time doing my arts and crafts work that I love. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be work related. Right. So what did I accomplish last week that I'm proud of? Um, what do I know now that I didn't know then? What have I learned in the last week? I have another little square that asks, what is the critical rational voice in your head saying? You know, that one that sounds really serious and mm -hmm. it says things like, no one buys a first novel or, you know, you're, you're terrible. Nobody likes you. <laughs> Nobody cares. Just stupid. Um, that voice. Yeah. So what is that voice saying? And then what does your inner wisdom know? What do you know about your life? Not some affirmation, post-it note, everything happens for a reason. No. What do you know about your own life? So, okay. Nobody buys a first novel. Well. That may be true, but I know in my own life, I've had a lot of beginner's luck, you know, or, well, nobody buys a first novel. Well, that may be true, but somebody must buy a first novel because first novels get published all the time. So somebody must, right? So just, you know, getting deep inside yourself, like, well, what do I really know? You know, they all hate me. What do I really know about that? Oh, I know that sometimes I don't like other people too. Okay. Right. Just like getting real with yourself about your feelings. Um, and then what would you like to do in the next week that will make you that feels sort of on the sharp edge of ambitious, you know, what will push you a little bit. Right. Time is also a really uh, funny thing. It seems some, some people have no time, never, and others have, but all, in the end, we all have like this 24-hour uh, day. And I remember in the, um, our warm-up talk, uh, you were mentioning Uh, a good tactic and maybe we can uh, or you can elaborate a little bit more on that um, like doing like the most important things in your day like right at the beginning right Start starting off the day uh, uh, the in the right way um, but, but what else can we do like to use our time in, uh, in the right way yeah yeah it always it, it annoys me when people say like oh I, I would love to do XYZ I just don't have the time it's like yeah you mm -hmm. do We all get the same 24 hours. Nobody has more time than anybody else. We all get the same. Um, you're just spending that time on other things, which is fine, but acknowledge that. The other thing I would love to see get dropped permanently is this cult of busy. Yeah, this, like, except that's, that's what I mean. Uh, uh. Right? It's like this nonstop international game of busy poker. Like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, you think you're busy? I'm so busy. I'm really? Busy. <laughs> I'm so busy. Really? I've got three meetings. And okay, fine. Stop <laughs> it. Stop saying it. Stop talking about it. Stop feeling proud about it. It is not, you do not get extra bonus points for being busy. No. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Somebody asks, how are you? Say, fulfilled. <laughs> says, how are you? Say, active, like anything. Just stop saying busy. Busy. Um, the other 
And my real strategy on this, and I would so, I want to start like a worldwide movement here. Um, I really encourage everyone, everyone to spend 15 minutes a day, every single day, on something that matters to you. Something that matters to you. I don't care if it matters to anybody else or not. 15 minutes a day, every single day, before you check your email, before you check your email, before you check your email, <laughs> spend 15 I minutes. I agree. <laughs> uh, spend 15 minutes on something that matters to you. The reason I say this is because we all, you know, you get everything done for everybody else all day, every day. And the thing that you know would really make a difference for you, you're not doing. So move that to the top of the list. Do that thing first. Do it before you even get out of bed. And whether it's, you know, having a prayer and meditation practice or singing or playing guitar or, um, you know, communicating with your spouse or partner or, um, you know, dancing or writing or whatever it is. Or maybe you're not sure what it is. Maybe you want to spend 15 minutes a day exploring, you know, doodling. I don't care. Um, what matters is that it matters to you. And what I find is that, first of all, it's amazing how much you can get done in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. It is especially amazing how much you can get done in 15 minutes every day for a week or a month or a year or six years or 60 years. And it feels like it would work. It feels like, oh, that's not enough time. But, but that's the beauty of it, right? We're going to hopscotch right over your perfectionism. We're going to hopscotch right over your need to be right. We're going to hopscotch right over your need to be good at something, right? Because we know if you play guitar every morning for 15 minutes a day, in not very long of a time, you will become a better guitar player. You know, if you sit down every morning and write 200 words in 15 minutes, which is about, you can write about 200, 250 words in 15 minutes, you know, in a little over 100 days, you you have a you would have a book or at least the start of one right so not and when you are making that kind of progress on something that like i said only matters to you it lights you up you know and you get that delicious smugness <laughs> vanity is a beautiful motivator um it's the same as when you you know when you work out in the morning you spend all day walking around like that's right i worked out cuz i'm awesome how can I help no. you? <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. get that, that good feeling. And I know I can hear you thinking out there. I was like, oh, I couldn't spend that time. That would be selfish. My family needs me. My work needs me. No, they don't. Not for 15 minutes, they don't. They can wait. And it's the opposite of selfish, right? What's actually selfish is you walking around exhausted, stressed out, with no sense of humor, and the rest of us have to deal with you like that. You take 15 minutes to do the thing that lights you up inside. We love that version of you. That's the ultimate generosity is you showing up calm, rested, fed, creatively fulfilled, right? There's a light in your eyes. You listen better. You're less reactive. You know, that's, that's the part of you we want to see. So that's my challenge. You can take the pledge 15 minutes a day. Every single day, before you check your email, do something that lights you up inside and see what happens. I think we should make that uh, 
on communication and Slack uh, as a standard bot in the e every morning. If you haven't checked in uh, your 15 minutes, you can start work. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's my, exactly what I think. I always think if people just have to start work at eight, have them there at eight, and then at eight fifteen, let them. You know, that's when the workday starts. But let people spend fifteen minutes a day. Google does it right. They give people a certain amount of time every week to work on their own projects. It's no. like it's just good business sense. It's not, you know, I, I think sometimes businesses and corporations act like like their people are just like wild animals, and like if you give them fifteen minutes to do whatever they want, like all hell will break loose. It's like, no, they'll become better people. Hmm. And uh, as often as are that uh, those are small things that are not, uh, they are not really in need of big planning. Uh, they are not causing big costs, but the effectiveness on outcome of that is uh, really big. Yeah. So, uh, a good chunk of our uh, audience um, are from Germany or German-speaking uh, countries, and um, as related to those uh, countries, especially to Germany, uh, we love like this perfectionism. Uh, how we get over that? Uh, how we get the balance between um, productivity and like doing like perfect things? And, and uh, maybe this is a special shout out to our German audience. Yes. I, I, have, I have some experience working with German clients, so I know, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, uh, and it's not, uh, how do I want to say this? Let me, let's, let's separate a few things out. Um, like I said earlier, we are tribal animals, right? We are designed to live in a group. Um, we know we cannot survive alone, right? So the good opinion of the group is very important to us, right? This is why, you know, we never want to be seen as selfish. We never want to be seen as taking more than our share, or taking up too much time or being too weird or any of those things. Like we want to be nice, helpful, approved of, right? Other people's approval is very important to us. Even as much as there's some part of us that doesn't really care what anybody thinks, there's part of us that really cares what people think. And that's, again, it's a survival mechanism. It's not low self-esteem. It's, that's, that's part of how we, how we live in a group. Um, so the desire to do good work and to be seen as good, competent, helpful, accomplished, whatever, um, those are all good impulses. But I think when we put too much emphasis on those things, it starts to constrict us, right? We start to get very limited in what we're willing to do. Um, and. It might help to reconsider what we mean when we say perfect, right? Um, I like to think of perfect as like, like an egg is perfect, or like a baby is perfect, or like a leaf is perfect, right? It's not necessarily without flaws or blemishes, but it's perfect unto itself. It's perfect unto itself. It has integrity within itself. Um, and the other problem with perfectionism is there's a little bit of like moral high ground in there. There's a little bit of vanity in that like, mm. oh, 
just me and my damned high standards. You know, I'm such a perfectionist. I just can't possibly live with anything that's not completely perfect. It's like, really? Yeah. Get over yourself. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> get over yourself. <laughs> um, and one of the things I like to say, and this, is, this may slightly traumatize some of you, but, um, you know, in the U.S., we, in school, you get graded with letter grades, right? So A is the best grade, and then B, mm-hmm. C, D, and F is failing. Um, and I'll tell you the story. From, this is from my own life. Um, there was a time many years ago when I was um, really suffering from depression and anxiety. I still live with depression and anxiety, but at the time it was unmedicated and really bad. And I had this feeling like I was getting judged all the time. Like everything I did had to be perfect. Like every parallel parking job, every dinner I cooked, every load of laundry I did, like everything had to be just right or something terrible was going to happen. This, as you can imagine, was no fun for me and I'm sure no fun for the people around me. <laughs> I was very tense all the time. Sure. So finally, I was, I was thinking about this more and I was like, okay, I got I to gotta get out of this. And... I had the thought, okay, if I can't get over the idea that I'm being judged all the time, what if I just try to get a C? So C is the middle grade. It's the grade that you get for showing up and doing the work. Show up, do the work. Show up, do the work. Not doing the work better than everybody else. Not being in the front row with your hand raised. Not, like, not doing extra credit. Just show up, do the work. And I thought, okay, I, maybe I can try that. So then I'm t- on the phone with my sister. My sister and I are very close and we talk all the time. So I tell her this little idea I've had and she's like, oh, that sounds good, Sam. Yeah, try that. And then we went on to talk about what we were actually on the phone to talk about, which was that my father had recently moved into a new apartment and we wanted to send him a, a housewarming present. And I said I would take care of it because I'm the eldest and that's what we do. And <laughs> a couple of days <laughs> later, we're on the phone again. And my sister says, say, did you send anything to dad yet? And I said, no, I haven't. I've been thinking about it a lot. And I was thinking maybe something for the kitchen, but he has a lot of kitchen stuff, maybe towels, but maybe monogrammed. I don't know. And we didn't have a lot of money, so it couldn't be too expensive. And my sister goes, Sam, stop. Get a C. Send a plant. <laughs> send like, a plant. <gasps> I'm like, get a C. Send yeah. a plant. Right? 1-800-Flowers.com. Send the man a Diffenbachia. 36 hours later, he's calling, oh, what wonderful daughters he has, right? Here's the point of the story. My desire to find the perfect thing for my father was preventing me from finding anything for my father. My willingness to take the cheap, obvious option allowed me to do what we really wanted to do which was just let him know that we loved him and we hoped he was happy in his new digs, right? So whatever it is that you are procrastinating on, whatever it is that you are not doing that you know you really need to be doing, first of all, chunk it out, try it in 15-minute chunks, and get a C. Get a C. Just And, and here's, and I can tell the apple polishers in the room are like, <laughs> so let me, let me just reassure you a couple of things. There is a reason why this works. One is because you may have noticed your version of a C is pretty much everybody else's version of an A. Right? Your version of a C, pretty much everybody else's version of an A. I, I know you've had this experience where you put something out and you're like, oh, this is not very good. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, you did that? You made that? You finished? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. You're great. And you're like, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, because they can't see the perfect version that's in your head. 
right? All they see is the actual thing that you actually do. And to them, that looks great. They're not yeah. comparing it to any other thing in their, in their head the way you are. Um, the other reason it works is because if you, you know, do the C version and then it needs to be made better, then you'll make it better, right? This is why God made editors. This is what, you know, then you, you know, version 2.0, director's cut, like <laughs> you'll just do it, you know, do another version that's better, but you can't make it better until it's done the first time, right? So get off this thing that, you know, this high value on perfect um, and understand that, you know, your desire to be loved and approved of is just your humanity showing it's okay. Um, and then, yeah, chunk your stuff down and get a C. Send a plant. That's it. Um, great story. I I, I I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, and and you put like things really into perspective. And as always, uh, just like getting things done uh, starts with some activity. And uh, yeah, take the first step there. What uh, uh, um, can business owners do? Um, and this happens also a lot of time. At times uh, when they are like all over the place, they're having difficulties um, to delegate and uh, let let go of of controlling everything over their head. Um, so, what what can what can be done about that from from your perspective? So, yeah, um, you know, something just sort of flashed into my mind that I say sometimes that might I don't know if this is useful to that question or not, but. Um, I really encourage business owners to do something at least once a week that you're terrible at. Mm -hmm. Be a beginner. Find a place in your life where you can be a beginner. Someplace where everybody in the room is better at it than you are. And I don't care if you want to take a dance class or uh, uh, some, some kind of... I used to um, be a part of a workout group that called CrossFit that's like this soup, like a lot of lifting heavy weights and a lot of really intense workout. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved how hard it was. And I kind of loved it that I was terrible at it. I kind of loved it that I was terrible at it. I loved having some time every week where I was a beginner, where I was pushing myself, where I didn't know if I could do this or not. Um, and I think having that time intentionally makes me a better leader. It also helps remind me what my, some of my customers and clients are thinking when they're thinking about trying something new, you know. It, it, it reminds me of, of, of that state of being and gives me more empathy. Um, the delegation thing, yeah, you know, that is such a trap. This whole like, oh, no one can do it as well as I can. Oh, no, there's lots of people who can do it way better than you. Lots of people. Yeah. So, again, get over yourself. <laughs> um, and... Understand that it will take, yes, and this whole thing, oh, it's going to take me more time to teach them than it is just to do it myself. Yes, that's true. But when you take the time to teach them, then you never have to do it again, right? So, and do a Loom video, you know, show them exactly, you know, again, to share your values so they understand what's underpinning everything. Tell them why this is set up the way that it is, right? Give people the big why, give them the big picture. They do a lot better when they understand how things fit into the whole story um and then you know show them exactly show them do a screencast do a video training do write out a standard operating procedure you know go step by step um because 
you know, I, 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 I mean, I did this too. I said, I've often said, you know, I built a business with my own two hands and I ended up with a business that I could hold in my own two hands. And I have kept my business sort of artificially small in some ways mm. um, because I didn't, I didn't let other people in. I didn't, I didn't um, partner strategically. Um, this partnership with Maidcraft, which is the production company that does these LinkedIn videos, I never in a bazillion years would have thought about making LinkedIn videos. I'm like, LinkedIn, those people have jobs. Like, <laughs> I mostly work with creatives. I don't know, I don't know what, what to say to those people. And now we have almost half a million learners. I mean, Take that I down. never would have anticipated that kind of reach. But that's what happens when you, you know, loosen your hands a little bit. And again, let people be in their zone of genius, you know. And if you notice that things aren't getting done the way that you want them to, that's a great opportunity for learning for both of you to say like, okay, so we talked about you doing these sales numbers every week. I'm noticing that we're two weeks behind. What's happening there? You know, oh, well, I'm not getting the figures on time from somebody else. Or, well, I'm one, you know, I just feel like this is stupid. Like these numbers don't really tell us anything. Oh, well, what might be better? Well, I think it'd be really interesting to do the numbers this way. Terrific. Great. I never thought of that. Go ahead. Um, you know, or should I take this off your plate entirely? Like this, this, um, you know, be in, in collaboration with, with your team and, and let them, let them teach you, let them help you be better. Um, because you are absolutely the bottleneck of your business. You are, it's, and this is part of the spiritual development of business, right? This is part of the personal development of business is having to ask hard questions and having to be wrong and having to learn to be more patient. It's like, you know, I assume it's like being a parent, right? There's a, there's a spiritual education that's happening here as you learn to be a good parent. Same thing when you're learning to be a good manager or a good boss. It's calling you for, there's an invitation here, right? You're being called forward. Um, so stop telling yourself the story that no one else can do it because they absolutely can. And if they can't, then you've either got the wrong person doing it or maybe it doesn't need to be done at all or not in the way that you think it does. Yeah. But it's embarrassing. I mean, I know, I know for a fact I, I had, um, you know, when I heard my first VA and I think I was using them 10 hours a month or something. I mean, it was like two hours a week, maybe it was very small because um, I had no money. And uh, but I used them for the things that were simple, repeatable tasks that I hated doing. Right. Like I would teach a class online and then the recording had to be downloaded and then posted and then an email sent out saying, hey, everybody, the recording's up. And I just that part of it made me so tired. Um, but it was a perfect thing for somebody else to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I remember having a lot of internal resistance because I felt like, oh, if I let somebody in, they're going to see my mess. You know, they're <laughs> going to see all the things that aren't perfect. They're going to see everything that's cluttered or that I haven't, you know, and when you're, especially when you're a solopreneur, I mean, the list of things that should have been done yesterday, that should have been done three weeks ago, that should have been done six years ago, like it's endless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? and, and part of having a successful business is what I call selective neglect. You know, you have to be able to say like, okay, I see you over there and I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> like, or I'm going to hire somebody to deal with you. Um, but yeah, it can, it's, it's a very natural feeling to not want people to see your mess. And if you want to grow, you got to get over it. Yep. 
some um as we are like already like over our uh, scheduled time and i don't want to like overspend um your, your valuable time um do you have any closing thoughts or some advice that you would like to give to our audience um yeah in our context of our conversation that we haven't maybe spoken today about and and that you find it's uh, really important and then probably how people can find you and um, find out more about your work and what you're doing yeah I think the thing I really want to say is you guys are doing great. You're doing beautifully. Like you're taking this time now to, to invest in yourself in a new mindset and new education. You're listening to the podcasts. You're, you know, people like you. You look great. <laughs> you know? I know you don't look the way you do. At the bottom of all my emails, it says, by the way, you look really great today. Mm -hmm. And I've only ever had one person call me on it. And of course he was a lawyer. <laughs> it was my, my entertainment lawyer. And he said, how do you know I look very, how do you know I look great today? Yeah. And I said, well, it's my experience that in general, people look great. People are just great looking. Uh, I said, and I can prove it to you because if I took a picture of you today and then I showed it to you 20 years from now, you would go, oh my God, I look amazing. <laughs> so, I know we, right? I know we don't look the way we did a couple of years ago, but you look great. You're doing beautifully. People love you. Let them. People love you. Let them. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. And you can find me at therealsambennett.com. Um, and there's probably some opt-in there. So you can get on my email list and I send out recipes and poetry and little inspirational thoughts and things. And um, especially if you're interested in email marketing, you might want to see how I do it because it's a little different than the way most people do it, I think. So Yeah. We will link all that in the show notes below uh, so Great. people can check out. Um, yeah, you can get the books too. The books are available um, on Audible, um, and I narrate them, so it's my voice, um, or Kindle or hard copy, however you like to get books. So, yep, all that uh, is going into the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for your time. It was really fun. Uh, I think the most funniest uh, podcast I have recorded so far. Oh. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing all this valuable information. And I hope this is uh, also some uh, uh, new ideas uh, for our yeah, listeners in there. And uh, they can take advantage of this uh, knowledge for um, what you have just presented. Thank My you again. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Back we are from a fun and inspiring journey into Sam's world of work. Don't you think? Now, go ahead, check your own scheduling calendar, do yourself and the people you work and meet with a favor, and get rid of all the meetings where you're not able to produce real value and an outcome. Have you opened your calendar already? Just do it and experience for yourself how it feels if real productivity knocks on your door. If you still need some more insights and want to learn more, get a copy of Sam's book. Find the link in the show notes below. We hope you found this session helpful and you have now some more new tools and insights on how to create better workplaces for the future. What have you missed in this episode? How can we do better? Let us know in the comments and reviews. And as always, before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give a thumb up and share the session around with your friends and colleagues. Your action helps us to grow this show and keep you informed and updated on the trending topics about the future of work. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So, until the next episode, keep exploring those new frontiers.